Attention, this is not legal advice. If you are experiencing a legal emergency, contact an attorney or your local public defender's office. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Gin and Justice. Hey, I'm Justine. And I'm Amanda. Welcome to another Legal Brief with Gin and Justice. This week, we are going to be talking about the Fourth Amendment. And Amanda, give us a little history on the Fourth Amendment. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, back in the day, the British would come over and raid our stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's that's the history that I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So the first 10 amendments were put into place. They were the OG. And they were basically grievances by the colonists, things that they were upset that England was doing and the reasons why they broke away from England. And it was their kind of establishment of the government. So the first 10 are the original Bill of Rights guaranteed to each citizen. So the Fourth Amendment, I know we hear about it a lot. It's the protection against unreasonable searches and seizures by the government, uh, the police, essentially. So basically, the bottom line of the rule is you cannot search a person or their personal effects without a warrant. However, (laughs) there's loopholes, though. (laughs) Over the many years, exceptions to the Fourth Amendment have developed and a lot of legal scholars kind of argue whether the fourth amendment is even applicable anymore because there are so many exceptions so in today's legal brief i kind of want to talk about the main ones there are a couple more that are some kind of gray areas but i'm gonna talk about the main exceptions to the fourth amendment so essentially before you search a person their house their personal effects such as their car or arrest them you have to have a warrant a warrant is obtained When the police officers basically swear to a set of facts or evidence, they bring that to a judge. If the judge finds that warrant, that writing, has probable cause, they will sign the warrant, and it's either a search warrant or an arrest warrant. Those are the two different types of warrants. So So if there is a arrest warrant, they still can't search your stuff? No, not necessarily. So they can search your person when they are taking you under arrest. And depending on where they're arresting you and what they're arresting you for. What if they are arresting me in my front yard for an alleged battery? So they can search your person. But they they wouldn't be able to go inside my house. Correct. Okay. Yes. So. What if I live in my car (laughs) and I'm standing outside my car? No. I mean, if you were a recent occupant of the car and they believed that there was evidence of a crime in there and they had a reasonable belief for the crime that you're being arrested for, then yes. So if I I allegedly battered somebody down three blocks away and walked back and sat on the hood of my car. No, they could not search your car. Cool. So here are some of the exceptions to the fourth. I'm not violent, by the way. (laughs) So the first one is kind of what I already touched on, and that's a search incident to a lawful arrest. And basically, that's very common when police are arresting a person. They can pat that person down in their immediate area, search for weapons or paraphernalia, contraband, anything like that, and any evidence that they obviously don't want going into the police car or the jail, things like that. So that's a search incident to an arrest. The next one is something I'm sure people have heard of. It's called a Terry stop or a stop and frisk. That one is really controversial. 
it is the subject of a lot of racial profiling, (laughs) a lot of racial profiling. So essentially a police officer who believes that there is criminal activity afoot is the language and has a reasonable belief that a reasonable police officer would have that a crime is being committed or is about to be committed can temporarily detain somebody and pat them down for weapons. That's fucked up. (laughs) So essentially, uh, this has played out a lot in the news in places like New York City, where they will stop African-American people, pat them down for weapons. Aren't they not allowed to do the stop and frisk anymore? Well, under the United States case law, yes. Some police departments may say it's against their policy but it's not it's an exception to the fourth amendment so if you look basically if you look sketchy if you look like that's so fucked up (laughs) if you look like you're about to commit a crime and a reasonable police officer with the facts that are in front of them believes you're about to commit a crime then they can stop and frisk you and that is not an unlawful search the (laughs) that could be literally anybody yeah that's why it's so controversial that's why it's been a huge issue, and obviously it's played out in, a, in racial bias and profiling ways. So that's a really controversial exception to the Fourth Amendment. The next one is probably the most frustrating one for us defense attorneys, and that is consent. If an officer asks you if they can search your car you or have your a bag, warrant. you can say no. You do not have to feel intimidated and like you have to grant them access, especially if you know that you have contraband in your vehicle or a purse. If they want to search it, they can get a warrant. But the biggest frustration for defense attorneys is if officers do not have a right to search it and then the person gives them consent because then they are allowed to search it because you gave them consent. So don't say yes. Do you have a warrant? Yes, know your rights. You do not have to grant access to search your belongings. Along that line, another frustrating one is plain view. And I tell my clients, like, keep your drugs at home, (laughs) you know? And so basically what the plain view doctrine is, is for instance, if an officer pulls you over for, I don't know, a traffic ticket, a speeding ticket, and he's going to give you a speeding ticket, but when he walks up to the window in plain view, there's lines of cocaine on your center console that are visible. At that point, he can detain you and search your car because there's cocaine sitting there in plain view. Or if you have a gun and a weapon in plain view that you're not legally allowed to have. Or if they knock on the door to talk to you and right there, there's a bunch of cannabis plants in plain view. That is an exception to the warrant requirement. So at that point, they can search and obtain whatever evidence they see in plain view. And and oftentimes they can search further. Uh, (laughs) The next one is actually something there was some recent news on. So one of the uh, warrant exceptions, the Fourth Amendment exceptions, is what's called the hot pursuit doctrine. And basically what that means is if you are a fleeing felon, so for instance, if you just committed a robbery and officers are chasing you, you run 10 blocks down and you run into your apartment, normally they would have to have a warrant to enter your apartment because you're a fleeing felon they can follow you in there and they can search the area within the area where you are detained or arrested so that way no evidence is destroyed. Yes. What if I allegedly robbed somebody, I I fluted from the police. (laughs) Fled. And I run in my front door straight through out the back door and then they got me like eight blocks away. Can they still search my house? Mm, That's a gray area. Theoretically, no, but if there's contraband out in plain view, there we go. 
So they can connect some of these two to kind of be creative. Gotcha. Now, something important, too, to remember about warrants specifically, um, getting away from the exceptions for a moment, is a warrant has to describe what the probable cause is, so what it is the police are, why they think you have evidence, and this is a search warrant specifically, why they think they're going to find evidence in this particular place, in your particular belongings. They have to describe the place that is to be searched. So if it's a shed, they have to describe it. If it's a house, they have to describe it. And they can only look in areas where the items they are looking for would be found. So for instance, if you are looking for a body, you cannot look in the kitchen drawers because you cannot fit a body in there. But if you are looking for a body and a murder weapon, then you can look in the drawers. So you have to describe the particular places to be searched and what you're looking for exactly. Um, So very limited scope is what the warrant is supposed to be. So back to this hot pursuit doctrine, if they are chasing a fleeing fleeing felon, you just committed a felony, they do not need a warrant to follow you into wherever you go. Why that's important is because the United States Supreme Court, conservative majority, I will say the conservatives typically are very staunch on Fourth Amendment and Fifth Amendment protections for citizens. So that is something you'll see out of a conservative majority. We've seen it in the past when we get waves of conservative majority judges, really strong protections against Fourth Amendment, which is great for citizens Mm -hmm. and for defense attorneys. (laughs) So the California Supreme Court had ruled that the hot pursuit doctrine could apply to people who committed misdemeanors, which we've talked about are lesser crimes and felonies. The maximum punishment is up to one year in jail. However, that went to the United States Supreme Court with our new, you know, array of opinions. So if they're saying if I stole a soda from the store and ran to my house, they could search my house? That is what California said. However, the United States Supreme Court just ruled, no, we are not granting another exception to the Fourth Amendment. Uh, You cannot chase a fleeing misdemeanant, somebody who committed a misdemeanor crime, into their house that is not hot pursuit under the meaning of the case law. It only applies to felons. So that's good. That was good. So that just came out last week. One of the tricky exceptions to the warrant requirement is vehicle searches. So there's a lot of gray area and I won't get into it too much because it could probably be a legal brief on its own. But essentially, if you're pulled over, the cops do not automatically have a right to search your vehicle unless you give them consent or something is in plain view. So you don't want to do any of those things. So they do not have a right to just search your vehicle. However, if while they are doing the traffic stop and they're writing the citation, a canine shows up and a canine circles your car while they're writing the traffic ticket and that canine positively alerts, then at that point, that positive alert by the drug trained canine gives them probable cause to search your vehicle for drugs. How long do they have to hold me on the side of the road waiting on a dog? Yeah, so it's interesting. So they have to have the dog there and already searching the vehicle before, within the amount of time that it would take for them to write the traffic citation. So there's no set hard time, but case law has found that in some cases they found 27 minutes is too long because somebody was pulled over for speeding and typically it wouldn't take that long to write a speeding ticket. They found if officers purposely prolong the traffic stop, That's an unlawful detention. That's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. So it kind of depends. But uh, the general rule is they cannot detain you longer than what the purpose of them pulling you over was. So if the purpose of them pulling you over was to write you a traffic ticket, it's got to be a reasonable amount of time. It cannot be 
detaining you for, you know, 30, 40, 50 more minutes or an hour waiting for this dog. Okay. So with vehicle searches, if they are arresting somebody for a crime, um, depending on what it is, they can search the vehicle uh, that had recent occupants that have been arrested, mostly for officer safety, they can search it. Or if they believe there's evidence, if they have a reasonable belief that there's evidence or contraband in there. So if me and you are driving around in your car, I have a warrant and they pull us over... They can search the car. Not, um, they can detain us both, search for weapons in our immediate area. But once you're detained and once the purpose of them pulling you over, which is the warrant, has been served, they cannot necessarily search through the car unless they have a reasonable belief that there is uh, evidence of a crime or contraband in there. So, and then the other two. This whole reasonable belief Right. Is the part that's really bothering me the most, I think. Yeah, so in the legal world... Who's to say what a reasonable belief is? Correct. And who could make up whatever they want? Correct. And so, yeah, so, and that's where in the legal world you file these motions and the judge and the officers and the prosecutors and the defense attorneys all argue about what a reasonable officer would have thought in these circumstances with these facts. And a lot of times it comes down to what you present to the judge and the judge looks at everything and decides whether, you know, this officer was reasonable in his thinking. So, and you'll see in a lot of criminal stuff, it's reasonable person. What would a reasonable person believe? You know, would a reasonable person believe they were in fear and therefore could stand Mm. their ground? So, you know, situations like that. But the last two kind of warrant exceptions, um, one of them is emergency situations. So, for example, if there's um, a bomb threat called into a school um, or a house, apartment building, they can go in and search without a warrant. If there are, if there's a hurricane or something, they need to go in to see, you know, if people are safe, they're allowed to do that. And then border and airport searches, those are automatic. You consent to those when you use those facilities, essentially when you're crossing the border. You're automatically kind of waiving your Fourth Amendment privilege. And then same thing with airport searches. So those are kind of the main exceptions to the Fourth Amendment. And we could really probably do a whole other legal brief on vehicle searches because they can get very tricky. So I think I'd be interested in talking about that. And if you have any questions, you could email us, Amanda at Gin and Justice Podcast. And Justine at GinandJusticePodcast.com. And we will see you next time on Gin and Justice. Bye. All editing for Gin and Justice done by Gin and Justice Podcast. Artwork by Justin Cardone. Photography by Kimber Schwakey. We'll see you next time on Gin and Justice.